Welcome, everybody, to the show. Yes, it's Rob Zakari. It's the Rob Zakari Show. We are live on this Thursday. And, of course, uh, tomorrow's Friday. And then we have the big Memorial Day weekend. Okay. Um, Let's talk about yesterday. A lot of things are going on. A lot of things happened yesterday. Of course, uh, Trump goes to Mexico, slaps up the president a little. (laughs) I, I... I call it a little slap up. Hold on. Before we get into the slap up, or I should say smack down, we got to go live. Yes, we got to go live on Periscope. So get ready to connect with the world, and we will be going to Periscope right now. So stand by. Do the countdown. Five. We'll be like SpaceX, get ready to explode. All right, so countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, and we are live. All right, see? We're not like, oh, geez, we're a little high there. We're not like SpaceX, okay? We're not, we're not, we're not like SpaceX. We didn't explode. We didn't, uh, we didn't blow up. We took off perfectly. All right. We took off perfectly. We did exactly what we're supposed to do. All right. So yesterday when we were live, Trump was arriving in Mexico. And we kind of dissected, or at least we tried to dissect what it all meant. What was going to happen? At the end of the day, was there a softening? Was there a pivot? Remember, all week, what was the hubbub? To the point where... um, Limbaugh and Ann Coulter, Hannity, Crazy Beck, to the point where everybody was infighting. Everybody was going after each other. Everybody was going after each other. He's softening. He's betraying us. What's he doing? You even had the Washington Post saying they felt bad. For Ann Coulter, because she wrote a book that talked about illegal immigration and Trump could give abortions in the White House. It wouldn't bother her as long as he doesn't change his position on immigration. You had Jeb Bush, Mr. Low Energy himself, saying... Trump is softening. His position is my position. It's, it's not fair. All the never-Trumpers, it's not fair. He's softening. He's softening on his position. 
Now he sounds like us. And we got tortured for it. And we lost. Yeah, the... uh... What do they call it? The, the call heard around the world. Isn't that what Crazy Beck said? The call heard around the world. An angry Republican caller from California laid into Rush Limbaugh, and Rush Limbaugh said, I never believed Trump was going to build a wall. Remember all this? All of this hysteria was based off of the media convincing everybody that Trump was going to change his position. All of a sudden, he was going to become Marco Rubio. There was going to be no more deportation force. There was going to be basically a amnesty program. I mean, you name it. So then the speculation was all about why? Why is this happening? Who's he reaching out to? And at the end of the day, uh, flew into Mexico. He didn't get kidnapped. <laughs> he, didn't, he, he was not um, kidnapped and didn't have a bag put over his head. And he wasn't flown into the desert <laughs> where, he was, where he was tortured with a uh, cattle prod to his testicles. It was nothing like in the movie Traffic. Instead, he went to Mexico, had a press conference. Well, he had a meeting with the president of Mexico. Then they had a press conference. He basically... Um, laid the smack down. <laughs> if you if you, if you want to be technically, he laid the smack down on Mexico, the, the Mexican president, and then got back into his helicopter and went to Arizona. Oh my gosh, our feed just went down. Oh my god, stop it! Stop it! Hey, the, 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 the periscope thing is still, it, it, it's still a pain in the ass. I mean, I got to be honest with you. Definitely a pain in the ass. I know that's the way that everybody is doing the whole, um, you know, communication thing and you got to do it. And, but it's a pain in the ass. You got the phone and it's it's not like being able to hook up a webcam and, Going from there, those of you who aren't on Periscope and you're watching us or listening to us on Spreaker or Blog Talk, the camera fell, it wobbled, it's a pain in the ass. I I definitely like the whole um, webcams. I I like the old way. It's still a smidgen better. I like that a little, just a smidgen better. Anyways, back to the smackdown and then trump went to arizona and lit that crowd up now let's start in the beginning okay let, let, let's start in the beginning because the press conference and everything that 
that happened in Mexico was pretty much flawless. It was. It was pretty much flawless. And that's why, ultimately, when it was over, what did you hear? Well, uh, uh, did, 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 did Trump tell the Mexican president that he's paying for the wall? We're hearing conflicting reports. We're hearing... what Did, did he say, what's going on? What, what Right after, you even had people that despise Trump. People like Ana Navarro. People that despise Trump. Going, you know, I hate to say it, but he did good. He looked presidential. He pulled it off. He pulled it off. He sounded sincere, but he also spoke forceful. He put over the United States of America. I mean, you got to admit, guys, you got to admit, hearing somebody talk positive about the United States, a potential president of the United States talking positive about the United States. When's the last time you heard that? Obama doesn't talk positive about the United States. I mean, he really doesn't. Anytime Obama goes overseas, he's always running down the United States. He's always apologizing. And I know the left goes crazy when we say that, but it's true. It's true. It's always... We've got a lot of growing up, and we're not flawless, and we've got... Listen, it's for us, okay? Warts and all. You know how many countries would cease to exist? You know how much of our military and how much of our money and how much of our brain power... Rather, it's our inventors, our innovation, our people. We help more foreign countries. We are the backbone for practically the entire world. And yet our president, when he goes overseas, runs us down. I mean, he really does. So it was refreshing to see somebody go to another country and say, if I'm president, my number one goal is to look out for the American people. That's my number one goal. We will work together. But never forget that my first priority is the American people. It was refreshing. So you had the never-Trumpers. You had the never-Trumpers. You, you had the Anna Navarros. You even had the Bill Crystals. The National Review. Charles Krautheimer. You had so many disgruntled Republicans, the jealous, 
crybabies, the, 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 the spoiled losers. You had so many of them saying, man, Trump did really good. He really did good. And you had a plethora, a plethora of people in Mexico, rather it's former presidents, activists, media, running down their president. Remember, before Trump went, people like Jorge Ramos, you all remember Jorge Ramos, whose daughter works for Hillary Clinton. Remember Jorge Ramos? He got all crazy that time at a Trump press conference. Started interrupting. Speaking out of turn. Just being an annoying jerk. And Trump threw him out. Remember him? He was outraged that Trump was going to Mexico. He was outraged. How could our president invite Donald Trump to Mexico? He better make him apologize. He better put him in his place. Vicente Fox, he was outraged. You had other officials outraged. Everybody was outraged. Everybody in Mexico was outraged. How could he? How, what, how, oh, they're, oh, oh, they're huffing and puffing. Huffing and puffing. And then Trump shows up. They have their press conference. American media is going, wow. Wow, Trump did good. Trump did real good. He looked really, really good. The Crystals, the Krautheimers. Oh, he! wow, that was impressive. That was impressive. And then all the people I just mentioned were going crazy on the president of Mexico. He just stood up there and, 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 and didn't say a word. He didn't demand Trump apologize. He thought, oh, what a weak. Weak, weak. How could he do this? So then what happened? Then what happened? Oh, well, wait a minute. We're getting reports. We're getting, well, yep, yep, we knew it. We knew it. I mean, you want to talk about trying to create something. And at the end of the day, the only thing they created was more strength by an American president or, oops, that's a slip of the tongue, a possible American president and something that we haven't had in seven and a half years. Obviously, a country that was intimidated by us. <laughs> Obviously, a country who was scared to say the wrong thing. Maybe out of fear that he would get slapped. <laughs> I don't know. 
I mean, Giuliani was with Trump. Sessions was with Trump. You're in a room with Sessions and Giuliani. Trump. Maybe you get a little intimidated. I don't know. But it was like something that you see in a teen movie. Hell, it was something like you would experience when you were a kid. You're getting into a fight with someone. You get into a fight with someone. And when you leave, you're in the car. (laughs) You're on your bike. You're on the bus. And as you're driving away, the person then starts screaming at you. Or you get home, and the person calls you up and starts screaming at you. And you're like, why didn't you do this when I was standing in front of you? Why didn't you do this when I was stomping on you? Why didn't you do this when we were together? Why are you now trying to act (laughs) like a tough guy? What are you doing? You look silly. I mean, high school stuff. Seriously, high school stuff. Little girl stuff. Little boy stuff. Adolescent childish BS stuff. And that's what happened. Because what did you hear? What did you hear? You had this hour closed door meeting. You then had a press conference. He spoke. Trump spoke. They took questions from the crowd. Talk about Who's paying for the wall? What's going to happen? Trump says uh, payment of the wall was never discussed. (laughs) The president of Mexico doesn't say anything. And what happens? An hour or two later, oh, oh, we did discuss it. Oh, and I told him Mexico wasn't paying for the wall. What? Really? Really? You, you, you didn't say that when you were on the stage. He's not the president. Trump's not the president. He's Hitler, remember? He's Hitler. Remember that. He's Hitler. You said he was Hitler. You were on stage. You had the opportunity. You had the opportunity to correct the record. You had the opportunity to say, well, we discussed the wall, and I told Donald Trump that we would not pay for the wall. You had the opportunity. You had the opportunity. And what happened? You want to talk about choke? You want to talk about wussing out? You want to talk about being punked? 
the president of Mexico who called Donald Trump Hitler, called him all these names, waited for hours after Jorge Ramos beat the crap out of him, Vicente Fox beat the crap out of him, Calderon beat the crap out of him, other officials beat the crap out of him. And then he goes, oh, I told Donald Trump. I told him. I said we won't pay for the wall. I told him. Wow. Talk about high school. You want to talk about high school. Again, if Trump was the president, well, okay. I get it, diplomat. He's a candidate. And, and, remember, according to everybody in the press, it's over. He's done. He has no chance of winning. He has no chance of winning. Look at the polls. He has no chance of winning. Hillary's going to win in a landslide. Hillary's going to win in a landslide. So it's not like the president of Mexico was looking at, let's see, I might be working with him. What are you kidding me? Landslide. According to everybody, Hillary Clinton's going to be the president. So what would the Mexican president care about offending a candidate that he already called Hitler? Remember, he already called him Hitler. Already said his his policies are dangerous. He's he's all these horrible things. But they sat in a closed door meeting. They then did a press conference. And never once did the president of Mexico say, Hey, I told him that we would not pay for the wall. I told him that we wouldn't pay for the wall. All of this comes out after Trump is pew, already gone. Think about that. Trump's already gone. Pew. And after <laughs> the president gets beaten up by everybody in his own country, he goes, no, 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 I did say something. I did say something. I did, I did, I did. And it's not like this guy is Mr. Politically Correct. It's not like this president is somebody that goes, I have manners and I, and I have a, a certain way that I think the president... This guy is so corrupt. I, I mean, seriously, the, the, the guy became president because his party paid off the main television station, the main network in that country to give him favorable coverage. I mean, he basically paid off the media to promote him and his party. He's involved in the uh, Panama Papers. And the guy's got all these secret houses. I mean, these are all facts. The, the guy's not some Jimmy Carter uh, you know, uh, <laughs> please, please talk about choke. Talk about choke. 
The Mexican president got punked. The Mexican president got punked. And you hear Tim Kaine? Oh, Donald Trump went there and choked. Shows you, he choked. Foreign policy, he... Ch- really? For, what, what has Hillary Clinton accomplished as it pertains to foreign policy? What has Hillary Clinton accomplished as it pertains to foreign policy? What? We got Americans that were slaughtered. Not just slaughtered, but stabbed in the balls, sticks rammed up their asses, dragged through the street while they were alive. That's what Hillary Clinton has. Foreign policy. What did Hillary Clinton accomplish? She likes to brag she was part of the Iran deal. Really, the Iran deal. The deal where we've given them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And every other day, they're playing chicken with our military. They're still chanting death to America. That, that, that's, that's your other big accomplishment. What are her accomplishments? Talk about choking. Hillary Clinton choked for four years. Four years she choked. The Russian reset, choke. Libya, choke. Iran, choke. Boko Haram, choke. Everybody forgets about Boko Haram. He got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little African girls. Nobody knows where they are. Boko Haram rose to power while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Talk about choke. Are you kidding me? Donald Trump went to Mexico. (laughs) He slapped the Mexican president. Everybody from Horace Ramos to Vicente Fox to Calderon said the Mexican president got punked. He waits for hours and hours and hours and hours later to then say, oh, I, 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 I told him, I, I told him we weren't going to pay for the wall. And then even hours after that, he gives an interview with writers. And he says, his policy stances could represent a huge threat to Mexico. And I'm not prepared to keep my arms crossed and do nothing. Really? Wow, that, that sounds a lot different. Hell, it, listen, you knew about his policies before you invited him into your country. You knew about what he was all about before you invited him. So you invite him. He stands on stage with you. 
has a pro-American speech. You say nothing. You talk about being able to work with him. You take questions. You say nothing. And it's only after you get beaten up by your own people. You know what they did? You know what they did? <laughs> it's like they, they, gave, they, they basically gave him a, a, a gang beatdown. He gave him a, 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 a Azteca Barrio beatdown. They got him in a... I think, I think Jorge Ramos and, and Vicente Fox and Calderon and all the other corrupt officials in Mexico, they all went to his little palace or, or one of his other many houses that he keeps getting in trouble for having. And then they put him in a circle... And they they beat him up, and then he and then he ran to the press. It's oh I I I'm not gonna let him do these things. What are you talking about, you putts? What are you talking about? He it's done. He was already in your country. Oh, the guy that you called Hitler, the guy that you called Mussolini, Hitler. He already came in. You already came in. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? He already came in. He already punked you. <laughs> he already punked you. <laughs> what what are you why are you why are you talking all <laughs> tough? And remember, guys, the whole Mexico will pay for the wall. Mexico will pay for the wall. Mexico is not going to pay for the wall, okay? Mexico is not going to take money from their pocket and pay for the wall. What we're going to do is we're going to tax, okay? Do you understand this? We are going to tax the money that gets sent to Mexico. That's what's going to happen. We're going to tax the remittance pay that the illegals send back to Mexico. Last year, $24 million. $24 million was sent back to Mexico. $24 million. That's it. We're going to restrict and tax the money that's sent back to Mexico. And it's not illegal. Okay, my friends? It's not illegal. We do it to Cuba, or I should say, we did it to Cuba. That's a fact. That's a fact. We did it to Cuba for many, many years. We do it to offshore gambling. 
And all you got to do is put in place, hey, got to get your social security number, got to have a driver's license number. Social security number, driver's license number. Sorry. Simple. Real simple. Real simple. It's simple stuff. There's so many things that we can do. So many things that we can do. That's just not done. It's just not done. Now, I've gone through this before, and I'm not going to take this part of the show to break down all the things that we can easily do that are there at our disposal. But at the end of the day, the Mexican president got punked. And when you're talking smack on somebody after they left, and that's what the American media is trying to focus on, because they know, they know that Trump looked presidential, that Trump did what Obama refuses to do, which is put this country over. Actually talk good about our country. So what did they say? Oh, the, 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 main, the main thing of Trump's plan. The main thing is build the wall and make Mexico pay for it. That's not the main thing. I mean, that's just uh, lunacy. It, it absolutely is lunacy. It's not the main thing. There's so many, well, last night, Trump laid out a 10-point plan. Now, we'll get to that, but this notion that the centerpiece or the most important piece of Trump's immigration plan is build a wall and make Mexico pay for it is just ludicrous. If you've really been following this campaign and this election cycle for the past year, that, that's a, a mild piece. It's a mild piece. And if anything, if anything, it started out as far as who's going to pay for it, and the crowd goes, Mexico. If anything, it started out as kind of a uh, tongue-in-cheek, Fire the crowd up. Because ultimately, nobody cares who really pays for the wall. I mean, seriously, nobody cares who's going to pay for the wall. The money, at the end of the day, has already been set aside to build the wall. And that was done years ago. I mean, that, that, that was done years ago. But at the end of the day, as long as the wall gets built, as long as the wall gets built, 
Who really cares? But to say, oh, that was the, that's what his whole campaign is. His whole campaign is build the wall and Mexico will pay for it. Get out of here. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it, media. I get it. I get it. About a month ago, when Hillary Clinton was down in the polls, and it looked like Trump could actually win, the narrative was, oh, well, really, uh, it doesn't start until after Labor Day. Now, this isn't a right-wing talking point. This is something that we heard on every single news program. Oh, the, the election doesn't happen until after. The, 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 real, the, the, the real campaign doesn't start until after Memorial Day because that's when all the kids go back to school and that's when uh, the voters are really paying attention. So all these polls don't matter. All these polls don't matter. Hillary Clinton's down. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Wait till the convention. Then wait until after Labor Day. And then we'll get a good feel of where we are. But come on. So then after the convention, Hillary Clinton goes up. And then what do you hear? Oh, it's over. It's done. It's finished. It's over. It's, it's done. Forget about it. Trump is done. Finished. You're like, well, what happened to after Labor Day? What happened to the whole Labor Day is when the race really goes into... What happened to that? What happened to the debates? What, what happened there? Oh, oh, it's over now. Okay. So then Trump does his whole campaign shakeup. And for the last, what, three weeks, he hasn't been stepping on his junk. He's been doing rally after rally. Hillary Clinton, who knows where she is? Seriously, who knows where she is? And every poll that's been coming out, has Trump gaining just a little, just a little steam here, a little steam there. Point here, point there. Still not stepping on his junk. He goes to Mexico. Has the speech last night in Arizona. It's all successful. New polls just came out. One by Fox that has Trump something down by, I don't know, two or three. A Rasmussen that has Trump up. And those of you on the left and those never Trumpers can't go, oh, well, that's a Rasmussen and that's Fox. Well, those same polls three, four weeks ago had Trump getting crushed. And you were fine with going, see, look, it's over, it's done. Well, now, all of a sudden, polls are starting to get tight. We're getting close to Labor Day. Today, after the immigration speech, after the successful trip to Mexico, Biden is on the campaign trail. 
Biden's out there today. He's not running for president. Hillary should be out there today. Instead, Biden is. What's up with that? Hillary Clinton is running for president. Hillary Clinton gives a speech yesterday that she shows up, what, 20 or 30 minutes late for. It lasts for about a half hour. Trump flies to Mexico, does the meeting, does the speech, flies to Arizona, delivers an hour and 20-minute speech. You'd expect Hillary Clinton today somewhere. Instead, you get Joe Biden? Joe Biden. He's not running for president. What the hell's going on? What's going on? Oh, the polls are tightening. Trump still hasn't stepped on his junk. Had a huge day yesterday. And Hillary Clinton is gagging and coughing somewhere. Huma Abedin rubbing her bunions or God knows what else. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. So I get it. The media has to go, oh, the central piece of Trump's whole campaign is build the wall, Mexico will pay for it. Build the wall, Mexico will pay for it. Build the wall, Mexico Guys, come on now. I, I, I get it. I, I, I get it. I get it. But just to give you a little, a little taste, just a little taste. Okay, just a little taste. Here's a a little bit of what uh, the Mexican president said. I'm not going to bore you and go through his entire speech, but just here's a little taste. Next November 8th, the United States people elect a new president of the United States, and I'm sure that the electoral process will continue being intense debate idea contrasting all these characteristics of the grand democratic tradition of the United States. Now, remember, this. Um, imagine an interpreter is going through. <laughs> Just as well, Mr. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Miss, uh, Mr. Hillary Clinton, Ms. Hillary Clinton, as well as Mr. Donald Trump, have publicly expressed my respect, as has been with the president and friend Barack Hussein Obama. I know he didn't say Hussein. I just threw that in. The next president in North America will find in Mexico and its government and neighbor that wants to work constructively to strengthen even more the relationship among our nations and to confront uh, together all the changes that we face together in common. Okay. Member. Member. He's already called Trump Hitler. He's He's already called Trump every horrible name in the book. Vicente Fox. I mean, it just shows you, though, what, what type of people uh, they are. And I, I'm not going to cast uh, disparaging comments. I don't want to do that on all Mexican people. I like the uh, maintenance man in my building. I, I like the, I, I'd say he's about 53 years old, doesn't speak any English, wears a Dallas cowboy hat. And he makes sure the stairwell's nice and clean of cigarette butts and 
Debris. I like him, so I'm not going to be disparaging to all my Mexican friends, but remember, Vincente Fox is the one that said, I will not pay for that effing wall. I will not pay for that effing wall. We will not pay for the effing wall. F Donald Trump. F him. And then, like, what, four weeks later, he's like, I didn't mean to call Donald Trump the name, and I didn't say F him, and I invite him to come to Mexico to see what Mexico is all about. Just don't drink the water. And be careful when you go to TJ. That's all. Be careful when you go to TJ and don't drink the water. Or you will get Montezuma's revenge. Don't go. You'll be in the toilet. You'll be in the toilet for days with explosive diarrhea. (laughs) And then yesterday, Vicente Fox goes, I never invited Donald Trump to come to Mexico. I never invited him. Yeah, you did. (laughs) You did, you dummy. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You invited him to come to Mexico. You invited him to go to TJ. You told him you can get Xanax and a whole bunch of other pills at the pharmacies out there because, you know, (laughs) <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like them. It's just like them. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm, it, like I said, I don't want to disparage my Mexican friends, my janitor, or, 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 because somebody said not all Mexicans... Do janitorial work. Okay. The guy that I got my car from, my Nissan car. I did. I got a Nissan. I know. I know. It's crappy Japanese thing. I know. But the finance guy, he's Mexican. Okay. (laughs) He's Mexico there. Okay. So I don't want to disparage the guy that cleans my hallways. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to disparage the guy and the the finance guy at my Nissan dealer in Glendale. <laughs> okay, there is everybody happy. I don't want to be like Kelly Osborne. All right, I don't want to be. I understand, but I was just mentioning my janitor in my building who doesn't speak English, he's about 50 years old. And he's afraid of my French bulldog, but I digress. Anytime he sees the dog and the dog snips him, he's like, no, no. <laughs> so when he was in his native land, he must, have been, he must have been tortured by one of the cartels. <laughs> he must have been tortured by one of the cartels. Anyways. I digress. It's not funny. This is a serious show. This is a serious political show. Okay? All right. So, again, the Mexican uh, president, 
Well, I believe there's great opportunities for both countries if we decide to take advantage of this. Good friends, allies, strategic allies, beginning from relationship-based and mutual respect. Even though we may not agree on everything, I trust that together we'll be able to find better prosperity and security without losing sight of security and independence are the most important and inaudible value. Any close relationship needs to be visited and renewed from time to time. We always need to be open to discuss what has worked and what hasn't. How can we improve things on both sides of the border? How we can have a clear, uh, how we can clear misunderstandings and understand each other better. There you go. So keeping that in mind, and a few days ago, I sent a letter to both presidential candidates, both Hillary Clinton and Mr. Donald Trump, asking them to have a meeting and to have a constructive meeting of shared future of our countries. I have met today with Mr. Donald Trump, and in the near future, I hope to do so with Ms. Hillary Clinton, with whom I have been pleased to have discussions over here in the past. We may not agree on certain topics, but his presence here, Mr. Trump, demonstrates that we have a fundamental uh, uh, inaudible. It says our uh, respective countries are very important, one of the other. U.S. is very important for Mexico, just the same as Mexico is very important for the United States. We share the most traveled border through, which every day, legally, more than a million people cross it in over 400,000 vehicles. Yes, 400,000 vehicles smuggling Xanax. And Oxycontin from TJ back to California. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know how many of those cars, you know how many of those cars are full of <laughs> Xanax and Oxycontin? You know how many people are in those cars that are going to the TJ whorehouses? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay? I'm just saying. You know how many people are going over there to see donkey shows? <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. Now, not to get too much into the weeds on this, but when um, the Mexican president, let's call him uh, Mr. Tough Guy, okay? When Mr. Tough Guy is talking about we may not agree on certain topics for the wall, which Mexico will not do. Again, very easily, very easily, the Mexican president could have dropped that in. It's not like, listen, it's not like the people of Mexico would have been upset. Because according to everybody in the media, on both sides, over in Mexico and in the United States, Mexicans hate Donald Trump. All 100 million plus that live in Mexico despise Donald Trump. They despise him. Jorge Ramos despises him. And he's the voice. He's the voice. Of Latinos around the world. We're constantly told that. Vicente Fox despises Donald Trump. Felipe Calderon despises Donald Trump. They all despise Donald Trump. He's got an approval rating 
with the American people or the American Mexican people of like, what do they say? Two? I, I, I don't know what it is, but when you listen to the media, no one, not one Mexican, not one Latino in the United States likes Donald Trump. And negative, negative zero. Like, that means dead Mexicans. They don't like Donald Like, he has a negative favorability rating in Mexico. So, every Mexican that's alive hates Donald Trump, which gives them zero. And then they dug up bodies, all the bodies that the cartels have killed. Even those, what, 40 or 50 I don't know what they were, students or workers that were killed, that uh, 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 Pino Nito did nothing about. They even, they even dug those bodies up, their pieces, and said, do you like Donald Trump? And from the grave, they got that, that, that gay medium on, uh, on E. They got him. They, they brought him over to Mexico. His mom drove him across the border. She dropped him off. He talked to the dead body. She bought some pills. And he was like, mm, let me see. Oh, yeah, all these dead Mexicans, they don't like Donald Trump. They despise him. So he, a negative, a negative, a negative. So all these people despise Trump. And the Mexican president's approval rating is in the toilet. So... The Mexican president had everything to gain from talking about not paying for the wall. But he didn't. He didn't. He did not. Instead, he's talking about respect and the countries and so forth and so on. So as I keep going. So I had a very open and constructive discussion with Mr. Donald Trump. With Mr. Donald Trump. And the Ortego brothers. The objective of this meeting was to meet each other and to know about the bilateral relations. As far as commercial issues, I share with Mr. Trump my conviction that free trade of North America has done a lot of good to both the U.S. as well as Mexico. U.S. exports to Mexico are close to $200 billion a year. And according to U.S. Chamber of Commerce, more than 6 million jobs in the U.S. rely on exports to Mexico. And let's not forget the remittance payments. Let's not forget the 23, or I should say $24.8 billion that Mexico has received, which is more than their uh, oil revenue. So the money they get from Mexicans sending money back to that country equal more than their oil business. That's pretty amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. And he continues, our country buys more from the U.S. than Germany, Spain, France, Italy, Japan, U.K. together. A lot of jobs in the manufacturing industry in the U.S. were not moved to other areas of the world precisely because together we have developed a manufacturing platform competitively in the North American continent together. 40% of the continent of the Mexican 
Uh, content is made in the U.S. Okay, great. All right. So as you see, there, there's lots of opportunities as he, because what he's saying is, hey, when Trump says we have bad deals, he's wrong. Look at what is good. So again, he very easily, very easily could have said somewhere about the wall, paying for the wall. We're not paying for the wall. He'd have been a hero in Mexico. He'd have been hailed as a hero. So it wasn't like it was uh, not something that he should have done politically. He'd have been a hero. He'd been an absolute hero. He goes on, I don't think that commerce must be considered a zero-sum game so that only one wins and the other one loses. On the contrary, it must be seen as an effort that generates value to both parts and makes our North American region the most competitive and innovative in the world. With regards to border issues, I have a very clear vision. The border must transform itself in an asset for our region. We have great advances in the last few years, working very closely with the Obama administration and with the next administration. We must accelerate these efforts so that the Mexican-United States border is more efficient and safe. Again, very easily could talk about the wall and who's going to pay for the wall. Not after you get grief from everybody in your country. And Donald Trump is thousands of miles away and hours and hours and hours away. And then you're like, I would, I would beat you up. Yeah. No, you wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't have. You got punked. That's what happened. You got punked. You got punked in your own country. That's what happened. You got punked. Sorry, you got punked. However, an important number of U.S. citizens chases the border as a real problem because undocumented persons and illegal drugs cross the border into the U.S. Undocumented immigration from Mexico to U.S. had its highest point 10 years ago, and it has slowed down consistently even to the point of being negative. And the net effect at this point. Here he is disputing illegal immigration is a problem. Again, he easily could have talked about paying for the wall. Easily. Even so, we know that it continues to be shared challenge, including the increasing number of non-Mexicans that cross our country to go to the U.S. Now, remember... Mexico has border walls. They have border walls. Mexico has a problem. Other countries, whether it's Guatemala or uh, one of those other areas, from coming into their country, they have border walls. That's what's funny. They have border walls. They protect their border. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, hey, 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 you guys aren't the only ones that have this problem. We have this problem. Every year, thousands of dollars, billions of dollars in weapons come in from the north, which strengthen the cartels and other criminal organizations create violence in Mexico and obtain gains from the drug sales in the U.S. This flow must be stopped. 
you know how long this has been going on? Seriously, you know how long this has been going on in Mexico? You know, seriously, you know how long this has been going on? I mean, this has been happening pre-Vicente Fox. But let's just take Vicente Fox. Vicente Fox dealt with it. And it was at heights that, that hadn't been seen before to the point where Vicente Fox said, you know what? Maybe we could just work with the cartels. Maybe I can have a summit with them. Maybe I, I can have a summit. We can all get together and we can have a discussion on how we could just live in peace. They do their thing. We do our thing. Everybody stops killing each other. Imagine that. That was Vicente Fox. Just like my uh, great listener, viewer, Alexander Farfabala said, just like Columbia and Fark. Exactly. I mean, that's where Vicente Fox got it from. You remember everybody over in Colombia working with Pablo Escobar? Okay, we'll send you to this prison. We'll I mean, the United States was the ones that said, hey, guys, you can't do that. No different than this president and what happened with El Chapo. Remember that? So anyways, Vicente Fox tried to work with the gangs. Epic failure. And then Calderon comes in and runs it like a police state. And then the people of Mexico get aggravated about that. Because there's trucks, military uh, personnel running around the country. And now you got this uh, Pino. And they're still cutting people's heads off. Putting them in the streets. They haven't done a thing. They have not done a thing to stop drugs and weapons coming from the north. They haven't done a thing. They haven't done a thing. So he continues, I do admit that that we recognize that the natural right that every country has to protect its own borders. I also believe that a real collaboration effort between friends and allies is the best route to obtain this. All the while, I express this to Mr. Trump to make a better border with Mexico and all the friends from Central America. Again, another opening about the wall. Another opening about the wall and the fact that Mexico is not going to pay for it. We are not going to take money from our pockets to give the United States to build a wall. No. But he didn't. He didn't. And I repeat, not to be repetitive, but it's not like anybody. It's not like anybody in Mexico, past presidents, activists, other members of that government would have been upset. They would have cheered him. They would have, they would have clapped loudly. He probably would have gotten a bump. Probably would have gotten a bump of, say, 
50 points as far as popularity goes in his own country. But he didn't. He was intimidated. He was intimidated. It's very Reagan-esque. Seriously. Reagan was very intimidating. I know. How does a guy who did movies with monkeys become so intimidating? I don't know. But he was. He was. So the only explanation for everything... I mean, I heard people go, oh, because Trump paid him. Yeah, Trump. Trump took out a, a pocket of ones, right? There you go. Took out some pesos. Here you go. You're going to shut your mouth. Oh, okay. He was intimidated. He was intimidated. Why did we get our hostages back when Reagan became president? Why? Because they knew. They knew. They knew. You had Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan. You had the peanut farmer, or you had the cowboy. But they knew. They knew. Just like Pina, Panito. Just like he knew. He said, man. God, this, uh, I better like play it cool. Because this guy could be president. And I could see this, this crazy Giuliani character every single week. Telling me I need to do a better job of controlling these cartels. And if I don't get in line, I'm going to send the military in here. I mean, seriously. The guy was intimidated. Remember, he's calling Trump a, a, a Nazi, a Hitler. He's all these things. Trump gets there and he's like, oh, Mr. Trump, how are you? And then as Trump leaves, he, he gives him the middle finger from behind. Trump turns around. He's like, oh, oh, hi. Oh, no. Want a burrito? You want a street taco? Oh, don't drink the water. Remember the big debate? Trump insulted the Mexicans, called them rapists. So here's a guy that the Mexicans said called them all rapists and drug dealers. (laughs) And that guy... Comes to Mexico, stands on stage, and the Mexican president's like, See, senor, whatever you want. Do you want some oxycotton? Do you want some Zax? Do you want us to take the donkey show? And then he goes on to say, Mr. Trump. I'd like to reiterate right now, press to you privately, my priority is the Mexican president and of my government is to protect the Mexicans wherever they be. That is my responsibility and I will continue to apply with it in all heart. 
In the United States, the Mexican population continues to do with the talent and creativity to development of both Mexico and U.S. Mexican nationals in the United States are honest people, working people. They're people of good. They respect family. They respect the life in the community. And they're respective of the law. As such, Mexicans deserve everybody's respect. Except those, those bastards that try to jump in your car when you go to Home Depot to buy some nails. You go to Home Depot, they try to jump in the car. They think you, you want to pick them up to go, you know, build a house or something. I swear. I swear, I'm not joking. I know, if you're listening to us in New York, you don't experience that. But out here in Los Angeles, you go into the entrance at Home Depot. Should you stop? Ten of them will, will jump in your car. And if you got a, an open hatchback, forget about it. It's over. They jump right in. Pew! They won't get out. You're like, no, man, no. I, I, I just... I just stopped because it's a speed bump. In the, 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 no, no. You got to give them five bucks a piece just to get out of the truck. It's brutal. And then he continues, my conclusion is that Mexican government will be totally respectful of the actual process of the United States. I recognize his position to sustain a constructive dialogue. Dialogue is the route that gets people closer to people who think differently. This is the route that allows for a better understanding. Blah, 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 blah. So that was the Mexican president. Every opportunity to say we're not rapists, we're not drug dealers, we're not just janitors, we're not just Waiters, we're not that. And we're not building the wall. He had every opportunity. So Trump goes on, and I'm not, again, going to go through this because we still got, listen, we still got to get through last night. We still got to get through last night. But I just wanted to make sure, okay? I just wanted to make sure that we get this uh, narrative by CNN and MSNBC and a whole bunch of media bigwigs. Bakari Sellies, was that his name? Bakari, the, the angry black guy on CNN who, can, who can't even win state office in South Carolina. Can't even win state office. It's a failure. So instead, he just runs his mouth on CNN. It's a failure. It's a failure. Failure. Failure! Failure. And I don't think I sound like Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey's like this. What are you talking about? That's Gilbert God. I'm not Gilbert. Come on now. Jeez. I definitely don't look like Gilbert Godfrey. You guys are brutal. All right. <laughs> so anyways, when have you heard this from our president? As you know, I love the United States very much, and we want to make sure that the people 
of the United States are very well protected, you equally express feelings and your love for Mexico. When have you ever heard, when have you ever heard our president, Barack Hussein Obama, when have you ever heard him say, I love the United States, love it very much. When have you ever, all I ever hear is him say, oh yeah, I know, we, we kind of suck, <laughs> we're not that good, we make a lot of mistakes. We're bad. We're horrible. Trump goes on. The United States and Mexico share a 2,000-mile border and a half a trillion dollars annual trade and one million legal border crosses each and every day. We are united by our support for democracy, a great love for our people, and the contributions of millions of Mexican Americans to the United States. Nice, see? Being nice. Very nice. He goes on, we all share a common interest in keeping our hemisphere safe, prosperous, and free. No one wins in either country when human smugglers and drug traffickers prey on innocent people, when cartels commit acts of violence, when illegal weapons and cash flow from the United States into Mexico, or when migrants from Central America make the dangerous trek, and it's very dangerous, into Mexico or the United States without legal authorization. I mean... Not for nothing, but uh, I don't think uh, the Mexican presidents from Vicente Fox to Calderon to this one necessarily like the Mexican people. Because if they did, if they did, reporters, civilians, children, you name it, wouldn't be having their heads cut off stuck on sticks and planted on the side of the street. Just wouldn't happen. Just wouldn't happen. Absolutely would not happen. I mean, Mexico and parts of Mexico, and we're not talking about the, the one, two, or three places where you could go in Mexico to vacation. And it's relatively safe. We're not, we're not talking about that. Because it's far and few between. It's far and few between. Most of Mexico is like Juarez. Most of Mexico is like TJ. I mean, it's like being in Iraq, for, for heaven's sakes. I mean, the amount of murders and, and, and corruption and, and the things that go on, and these presidents don't do anything about it. They don't do anything about it. But anyways, I digress. Trump goes on. I shared my strong view that NAFTA has been a far greater benefit to Mexico than it has been to the United States. And that must be improved upon to make sure that workers, and so important, in both countries, benefit from fair and reciprocal trade. 
I expressed that the United States and, and that in the United States that we must take action to stem this tremendous outflow of jobs from our country. It's happening every day. It's getting worse and worse and worse, and we have to stop it. Prosperity and happiness in both of our countries will increase if we work together on the following five shared goals. Number one, ending illegal immigration, not just between our two countries, but including the illegal immigration and migration from Central and South Americans and from other regions that impact security and finances in both Mexico and the United States. This is a humanitarian disaster. The disaster tracks the abuse by gangs and cartels and the extreme physical dangers, and it must be solved. Mexico, the Mexican press, they don't solve this. They, they don't. They don't solve it. I mean, let's face it. You know who caught El Chapo? Sean Penn. Sean Penn caught El Chapo. That's who caught El Chapo. Sean Penn. The only reason El Chapo was on the radar was because he liked the, 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 what is it, the Mexican uh, film star there. He invested in her tequila company. So here you got a Mexican film star who also works in the United States, who's in bed with El Chapo, doing business with El Chapo. Sean Penn... Sean Penn sets up a meeting and he's on the radar because of this meeting. And that's how El Chapo was captured. I mean, that's it. So I'm please stop. Mexico does nothing. Mexico does nothing to protect their people. They do nothing. You know what they say? And I know this will be controversial, but you know what they say? Hey, go to America. You'll be safe. Just go to America and you guys will be safe. That's what they say. There's nothing we could do for you here. Just go to America and you'll be safe. Here's a map. Here's the cities that won't deport you. Here's the cities that will give you driver's license. Here's the, here's the cities that will give you benefits. Here, guys. Just go, because there's nothing we could do here. There's nothing, we, there's nothing we could do to make your life better. There's nothing we could do. The only thing we could do is give you a roadmap. Okay? Give you, give you a, a book of knowledge. It, it, it's, a, it's a how to go to America and survive for dummies. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> here. Go to Glendale. There's a bunch of really nice apartment buildings, a bunch of penthouse buildings that will hire you to <laughs> do maintenance. Go. Here, go. And they, they, they won't care if you have Social Security cards or driver's licenses or speak English for that matter. Go. Go. So, please, Mexico, the, the, the leaders in Mexico, they don't care, Okay. They don't care about their people. They don't. Number two, having a secure border is a sovereign right and mutually beneficial. We recognize and respect the right of the, either country to build a physical border because Mexico has one. Uh, 
let's see, cooperation toward achieving the shared objective and will be shared of safety for all citizens of Paramount to the United States and to Mexico. Number three, dismantling drug cartels and ending the movement of illegal drugs, weapons, and funds across our border. This can only be done with cooperation, intelligence, and intelligence sharing. Sean Penn. That, that's what it means. Because they don't. I mean, they just, they just, they, they don't do what they have to do to stop. Okay? To stop the cartels. They don't. They don't. Okay? They don't. They, they need Sean Penn and, and uh, Benicio Del Toro from Traffic. That's what they need. I just want to play baseball. I just, I just want to have a baseball field, and I just want to watch little kids play baseball. That's all in the park. <laughs> That's it. That's what they want. That's what they want, to play baseball. All right. Uh, bah, bah, bah. There are many improvements. We could have tremendous cooperation. Okay, there are many <laughs> improvements that could be made that would make both Mexico and the United States stronger, keep industry in our hemisphere. We have tremendous competition from China and from all over the world, keeping our hemisphere. Workers in both of our countries need to pay raise very desperately. The United States, uh, there hasn't been a pay raise in 18 years. Wages are going down. Improving pay standards and working conditions will create better results for all, and all workers in particular. There's a lot of value that can be created for both countries by working beautifully together, and uh, that, I am sure, will happen. And please uh, start with making your water drinkable. So when you drink it, you don't get uh, dysentery, and you don't end up in the bathroom for three days straight with the diarrhea. How about that? Okay, how about that? How about that, Mexican president? All right. Figure out how to get some some clean water. All right. For the most part, we got clean water, except for a little lead here and there. For the most part, we're all right. (laughs) Somebody said, oh, come on. Well, Mexicans, they don't have the diarrhea. Yeah, because they're used to drinking that bacteria. Once you get immune to drinking bacteria, once you get immune to it, it's like you're 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 tempered, okay? <laughs> you're tempered. Okay. <laughs> Number five, keep manufacturing wealth in our hemisphere. When jobs leave Mexico, the US or Central America and go overseas, it increases poverty and pressure on social services as well as pressure. Uh, on cross-border migration. Tremendous pressure. The bond between our two countries is deep and sincere, and both our nations benefit from close and hostile relationship between two governments. Okay, great. Uh, uh, a strong, prosperous, and vibrant Mexico is the best interest for the United States and will keep and help both for a long period of time. America together. Both of our countries work together for mutual good, and most importantly, for the mutual good of our people. Mr. President, I want to thank you. It's been a tremendous honor, and I will call you a friend. I will call you a friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you very much. So then the press goes. I mean, imagine this. Imagine this. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton won't even do a press conference in the United States. And I love when the left goes, what are you talking about? She takes questions every day. 
Oh, yeah. That, look, taking a question from Wolf Blitzer over the phone is the same as standing in front of a microphone and doing the Trump and you. And you. You know when he does the whole point thing? <laughs> and you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, sure, that's the same. It's the same. Rachel Maddow hugging you, whispering in your ear, I love you. <laughs> Me and Sally Cohn to you. <laughs> I love you, Hillary. Yeah, it's the same thing. So imagine, Trump, think about it, Trump, he's in Mexico, and he's taking questions from reporters in Mexico, and you. (laughs) 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 And you. So he says, he points, and you good stuff. It's funny stuff. So he takes questions from reporters. President says, President Trump says, we are actually together for quite some time, and I think, excellent. I was uh, with, as you know, Senator Sessions and Mayor Giuliani. We had a tremendous, tremendous more than an hour. I think it was really good. Trump says, say it. Yes. Trump, no, not at all. Look, we want what's good for the Mex- United States and president, what's best for Mexico, and is sitting down and talking. We both realize that we realized this from the beginning, that it's good for both of us. Better for both of us, actually. Yes, John. John, he points to him. John. And John asked about the wall. And Trump said, we didn't discuss that. We didn't discuss who pays for the wall. We didn't discuss it. I guess a question off mic. For Mexico to back off, very harsh words, direct toward, would you like to take back some of those? And the wall is a non-starter. Is there any chance Mexico paying for the wall? That's off mic. Trump said, well, I'll start. I mean, nothing like an easy question like that. We did discuss the wall. We didn't discuss payment of the wall. That will be for a later date. This was a very preliminary meeting. Very simple. Very simple. Trump says, I think it was an excellent meeting. We are, I think, very well on our way. A lot of things I said are very strong, but we have to be strong. We have to say what's happening, and there's crime. As you know, there's a lot of crime, and there's a lot of problems. But I think together we'll solve these problems. I really believe that the president and I will solve these problems. We will get them solved. Illegal immigration is a problem for Mexico as well as for us. Drugs are a tremendous problem for Mexico as well as us. I mean, it's not a one-way street. And we will work together. We will get those problems solved. So here's the opening for little Pino to say, well, I told Mr. Trump, I will not pay for the wall. I will not pay for the wall. And then I reached across the table and then I, I took a Giuliani and I said, listen to me. Fuckering suckatash. I will not pay for the wall. So he said, absolute respect. This is, this is little Pino. 
This is little Pino. Absolute respect for the election process in the United States. I wanted to invite both candidates, both candidates, which were, which was responded quite quickly by Mr. Trump. So meaning besides the issues that we just recently discussed, we also talked about how relevant is the relationship among our countries, how important it is to have a strategic alliance in between our countries. I also asked and showed Mr. Trump the great responsibility that I have to defend the Mexican population, both to Mexicans who are here and outside of Mexico, that there has been a misrepresentation or assertions that regrettably had hurt and has affected Mexicans and it's perception of his candidacy of which I am fully, I am fully respectful. Mexican people have felt hurt by the comments that have been made, but I'm sure that his genuine interest is to build a relationship that will give both of our societies better welfare. That the willingness expressed of the Mexican president to get together with both candidates, both candidates of the United States based on the same premise to work together. Uh, but above all, in a mutual respect among nations, this is what I have shared with candidate Trump. And then the moderator says, this concludes this event, and we all thank you for your attendance. Do you guys not get the Daffy Duck impression? You guys didn't understand that? My, my Twitter crew didn't understand that. Because Giuliani speaks with a lisp. Do you guys not get that? Am I the only person that ever hears lisps? Do you guys not understand that? Giuliani speaks with a lisp. He speaks with a lisp. Just like Melissa Perry Harris on MSNBC, she spoke with a lisp. And I never understand how anybody can be on radio or be on TV that talks with a lisp. Sometimes you guys are kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say dumb, I don't want to be disparaging, but geez, I know, but most of the conservative uh, talk radio guys are just very serious, you know, like Glenn Beck. This is a serious time, or, or Mark Levin, this is serious, this is all set. I try to infuse a little humor. I try to make the show a little bit different. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I do make fun of people in my own party. I do make fun of people that I support. I do like Giuliani, but it's tough. It's tough to listen to him for long, extended periods of time. He talks with a lift. It talked like this. All right, so that was the Trump-Mexico trip. Okay, that was the Trump-Mexico trip. End of story. All right, end of story. End of story. Now, after that, Trump got in the plane, got in the plane, or helicopter, whichever, and went to Arizona. Went to Arizona. And delivered an immigration speech 
that had a lot of details. That was definitely not softening. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, listened, listened to the Rob Zakari show and a whole bunch. You know what? I shouldn't even say a whole bunch because I don't think there's a whole bunch. I think there's a select few that have been telling Trump, like me and our show, that at the end of the day, this notion, pander, okay, that you have to pander to the illegals, that you have to pander to Jorge Ramos. And like we've been saying on this show from day one, the black vote is the vote that one needs to get. Rather, it's Trump or any other Republican. The black vote. You need the black vote. I mean, let's face it, all the Democrats have are Latino voters, black voters, and hipster voters. I mean, that's all they got. That's all they got. And they keep that voting block tied together by playing the race card. Or, or playing the you're a victim card. But that's what they have. And that's it. That's all they got. That's why when Trump, that's why when Trump reached out to black folk, the Democrats went nuts. Democrats went nuts. They went, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is not good. This is not looking too good. Because like I said, when you have people like Kaepernick, who's going to do it tonight? Tonight. He's going to, or is it tomorrow? Whatever day the new game is, the the San Francisco preseason game, which is supposed to be uh, military night. Military night. He's going to sit out. He's going to do his whole protest. Why? Because black people have it bad. Because before Trump pointed this out in the sense that, hey, black folk, you're right, you got it bad. And the Democrats have been in power seven and a half years, and they've done nothing for you. So why are you going to vote for him again? Before Trump did that, everybody was fine with talking about black people being 
worse off today than they were worse off 10 years ago or uh, or uh, 100 yet, well, however many years. I mean, you can't talk about slavery, but they got it bad. They're being slaughtered in the streets by cops. White people are oppressing them. They can't get a job in Hollywood. They can't get a job on late night TV. They got rid of Larry Wilmore, the only uh, 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 black uh, late night host. Guilt, white privilege. Remember, Beyonce, Super Bowl, people getting slaughtered in the streets. Beyonce at the, the, the VMAs. Remember all that. And then Trump goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Look, guys, and you're voting for Democrats. And then all the, all the Eugene Robinsons and rapping Michael Dysons went, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Black people, the, the, we got it good. What are you talking about? Those are just little pockets. Those are just little pockets of badness. Just tiny little pockets. What are you talking about? And you got Cabernac. Who's doing what he's doing because he's saying it's not little pockets. It's not just tiny little pockets. Black people are being abused. Black people are being being oppressed. And I'm going to throw a big middle finger to the military. So black people are treated better. And Trump goes, yeah, you're right, man. And it's the Democrats' fault. It's the Democrats' fault. So when Trump reached out to the black folk, the Democrats lost their mind. Democrats lost their mind. And remember, the Republican establishment, the the never-Trumpers, Koch brothers, they're only mad because they want illegal immigration. The Walmarts, the Coke Industries, they want illegal immigration. The Rickett family, they, they want illegal immigration. They want it. They want that. They don't want E-Verify. They don't want to do away with sanctuary cities. They don't want to do away with release and, and, and uh, catch and release. They, they don't want that. They don't want that. They don't want that. Listen, it's one thing to have immigration. And I've talked about this on my show countless times. My brother-in-law is from Italy. My grandmother was from Italy. Aunts, uncles. I know a lot of people, some family members, that were born in other countries that came here. But there's a difference. There's a difference between controlling who comes here. Remember, immigration was set up 
to benefit the United States. Immigration and the concept of immigration was not to benefit other people. It was to benefit the United States. Everything we do should be benefiting the United States. Everything should be, well, what does the United States get first? What does the people of the U.S. get first? And then everyone else is secondary. But we should always be first. We should always be first. And that's how it used to be. So there's nothing wrong with immigration, but you've got to be able to control it. There's nothing wrong with immigration, but you've got to be able to control it. We've got to be able to say, okay, you know what? We need hmm, X amount of workers to do X amount of jobs. We need X amount of workers to do these jobs. You don't just open the floodgates. It's just not what you do. You just, you just don't do that. You don't do it. So ultimately, the Trump speech last night was just a reflection of him listening to the show, listening to a few other people who've said the same thing. It's about the black vote. It ain't about the Latino vote. You know, just like some of my Republican friends get nostalgic about Reagan, and everything's about Reagan. Oh, oh, we, oh, Ted Cruz is the closest thing that we'll ever have since Reagan and Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz and Reagan, Ted Cruz and Reagan. Ted... Listen, Ted Cruz is nothing like Ronald Reagan. Not even close. Not even close. But just like Republicans get nostalgic for Reagan, they get nostalgic for Bush. And they go to his numbers and they go, see, see, we, we won then. And Bush got 40% of the Latino vote. That's the only way. That's, you got to do it. That's the only way. That's the only way. That's the only way. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And if you really analyze those numbers, those percentages that Bush got and the places that he got those numbers ultimately wouldn't have mattered either way. Meaning, so he got an unusually high number of Latinos voting for him in, Mex- in uh, Texas. <laughs> Mexico, it's close. In Texas. Texas goes Republican regardless. Goes Republican regardless. So this notion, and, and it all, again, all it is was something that was pushed by people like the Koch brothers or Rupert Murdoch, the establishment types in the Republican Party who benefit from cheap labor. So the autopsy report Oh, this is the how you win. You have to. You have to. And no one questioned it. Nobody sat there and went, so why such the big push to get 
the Latino vote, but the black vote? Nah. Why? Especially when the concept of the Latino vote is, whoa, it's, it's, the, it's the fastest growing minority. It's the, well, so you're worried about a vote that's not quite there yet, and you're writing off the vote that's there. And that, in theory, actually shares some of the same values that you have. And like I've said before, if religion is, is a big thing for Republicans, they're, one of their big claim to fame is religion. Well, that's something that's a, a, a big claim to fame for a lot of black folk. definitely not for liberals and that's not being nasty or mean it's the truth i mean there's more of a of a of a common and shared goal as far as black folk than there are with the latino folk so the whole motivation is for cheap labor. And that whole motivation for the cheap labor are the Murdochs and the Ricketts family and the Coke industries and the Walmart family. The motivation. So the autopsy report was all about that. It wasn't about winning elections or an outreach. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So somebody got to Trump, and we've been talking about this for for months and months and months and months and months and months, and said, forget the Latino vote. You can appeal to Latinos that respect the law, who came here legally, And they look at the ones that are here illegally. They look at the ones that go on Facebook and post pictures at their graduation and go, ha, 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 I'm an illegal and I got free education and I got a free scholarship to college and ha, 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 ha. They look at that and go, wow, that's kind of messed up. It's kind of wrong. It's kind of wrong. So in that aspect, in that aspect, Trump's immigration stance and his proposal, it was fair, tough, and it will appeal to who it has to appeal to in the Latino community. And recent polls show, my friends, that Trump is really doing no worse than Romney did or McCain did. That's a fact. That is a fact. Give or take a few points. Give or take a few points is doing no worse than Romney and McCain. So 
Trump is going to get who he gets. The real vote is the black community. That's the real vote. That's the real vote. And those are the folks that are in the states that Trump has to win. Those are the folks that are in Ohio. Where him and Hillary are statistically tied. Ohio, right now, Hillary and Trump are basically tied. No president for the Republican Party has ever been elected without winning Ohio. And right now, Trump and Hillary are basically tied. So you have Ohio, black folk, Pennsylvania, black folk, Wisconsin, black folk, Michigan, black folk. States aren't California. Those states aren't California. They don't have millions and millions. Listen, months ago, we did the numbers. I think even one of our longtime listeners, whether it was GNR for Trump or Alex Farvella, whoever it was, they hit me up and said, you know, after listening to your bit on the numbers, I went and took a look. I, I did a Wikipedia search, and, 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 and you're right. The numbers of Latino voters in the Pennsylvanias and the Ohios and the Michigans and the Carolinas, Virginia, are minuscule. The Latino voters that actually voted slash population in these states are minuscule. The big meat of the population and the voters are in California, Texas. I mean, just Texas and California alone make up more than half. Make up more than half. And California is the biggest. And that ain't going to a Republican. I don't care if it's Trump, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Mitt Romney. It ain't happening. And when you break down the numbers, I mean, do it yourself. Don't go, oh, this is just some Republican talking, but do it yourself. Do it yourself. Wikipedia, uh, the Romney numbers for Pennsylvania. Wikipedia, the Romney numbers for McCain. Look at the Hispanic vote. Look how many voted. Look at the populations. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin. Take a look. I'm not making this up. It's all about the black vote. It's about getting black voters. And last night, Trump went, you know what? 
Why am I going to piss off my hardcore base? Why am I going to piss off the legal, the legal Latin Americans that are here who say, hey, hey, F these illegals. I, I waited in line. I, I, I abided by the law. I played by the rules. I did what I had to do. My finance guy at my Nissan dealership, he did what he had to do. He played by the rules. Why well, piss them off? He said, I, I, I need the black vote. That's the vote. And it's not just for Trump, but it's for the Republican Party. It's for the Republican Party. So last night, Trump had the big speech. And it was huge. It was. You got to admit, guys. You got to admit. It was huge. It was a 10-point plan. That's what it was. It was a 10-point plan for about an hour and, what, 20 minutes? About an hour and 20 minutes. And the thing that uh, the media is trying to downplay, because the optics are not good for liberals and Democrats, and that is Trump bringing up all the families who have had children killed by illegals, including a mom whose son was killed, and he was a cop. He was a police officer. I mean, think of the optics. Hillary Clinton stands with Mike Brown's mom, Eric Gardner's mom, Anton Sterling's mom. That's who Hillary Clinton stands with. That's who the Democrats stand with. When you hear Wolf Blitzer just randomly go, Oh, uh, Mr. Pence, so uh, today David Duke came out and said Trump's speech. Keep throwing David Duke, but Black Lives Matter, you know, kill whitey, kill cops, pigs in a blanket, throw rocks, burn down buildings, Spray paint police headquarters. That seems to be a peaceful protest. These are the people that the Democrats stand with. These are the people that Hillary Clinton cares about. And last night, Trump had families... Who had loved ones killed by illegals. You tell me what was more powerful. 
You tell me what was more powerful. You tell me what was more powerful. Michael Brown's mom? Anton Sterling's family? Or a police officer who was driving home and was killed by an illegal who was drunk and high on meth. Police officer. Somebody that is there to protect us. Another family's young girl who was, was raped and, and, and stabbed and butchered. I mean, you never hear Hillary Clinton talk about those families you never ever hear democrats talk about those families when you watch msnbc or you watch cnn and you listen to the ramblings of that uh activist kumar whatever her name is kumar on msnbc or chris hayes or any of them and they talk about if you deport this family, you deport, you're ripping families apart. You've got these young kids who are now not going to have a father because the father was deported. What kind of monster are you? What kind of evil bastard are you? You're destroying these families. Huh. Well, what about the families that get destroyed by illegal aliens that murder 18 and 19-year-old girls, 18 and 19-year-old boys, police officer, Kate Steinel? What about those families? Does anybody care about those families? Or does that matter? What about those families? When all these activists, when the, when the Joanne Reeds and the Chris Hayes and the Lawrence O'Donnells and these bleeding heart extreme leftists are talking about destroying families. You're destroying these families. Ruins. It ruins these. So, again, what about the families that have had their lives destroyed by illegals? Does anybody care about them? Democrats don't. So, that was the big thing last night. Because how many CNN segments, how many MSNBC segments, how many ABC segments, how many Sanjay Gupta segments, I mean, seriously, how many segments, Anderson Cooper, the list goes on and on. 
how many of these segments have you seen that have families of illegals who've been torn apart because of deportations? Oh, the crying girl that runs to Hillary Clinton's open, old, decrepit arms. Says, don't, don't let them take my daddy. Don't let them take my mommy. How many times have we seen that? Exactly. Countless. Too many. Too many to count. And yet, families who've been killed by illegals? Where? 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 All morning. All morning. And afternoon. On every show. All they have talked about is, well, you, you, you know how much it will cost to build a wall? You know, you know how much it, it, will, it, will, it will cost to do that? You know how much? That's all they're focusing on. Well, what Trump said this, what Trump said... Now, if the roles are reversed and Hillary Clinton did a speech on illegal immigration and brought up six or seven children crying hysterically into the microphone and saying, they're going to rip our families apart, they're going to rip our... That would be the image that would be played all day today. Rather, it's Brooke Baldwin, Brianna Keeler, Wolf Blitzer, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, Charlie Rose. That would be the image. That's all they would be playing. That's it. That's it. No different when they talk about uh, the Syrian problem and the refugees. The only images you see are little kids. That's it. Little babies. They don't show you the images of 25, 26, 28-year-old men. They, They don't show you that. They just show you the little babies. Because that's what they want you to believe are the only people that are coming to this country. So when you hear people say Hillary Clinton wants to let 600,000 Syrian refugees here, the media wants you to believe that it's 600,000 little five-year-old babies that are pulled out of rubble with cuts on their head. And that's not the case. It's not true. The media is not just dishonest. Again, might as well call it state-run media. It's controlled by the Democrats. End of story. So the angel moms, as they're called, and there was an angel dad on the stage. The angel moms and angel dad were displayed last night. And we all got to see it, but if you 
missed it last night, you better just go online. Because Brooke Baldwin, she's not going to talk about it. She's not going to show it. She's going to show you Janet Napolitano, former Homeland Security uh, chief. And they're going to talk about building the wall. They're not going to talk about the angel moms and angel dad. They're not going to do it. So that was huge last night. And then Trump broke down a 10-point plan. One, build a wall along the southern border. Two, end catch and release. The basic stuff. Three, zero tolerance for criminal aliens. You know, when you hear Democrats and you hear squishy Republicans, the never-Trumpers, they always preference the criminal illegals with, well, violent crimes and and violence. Well, listen, if you're here illegal, you're already breaking the law. And if you're already breaking the law and you're getting away with being here illegally, being drunk in public, trespassing, loitering, any law that's broke, you get deported. End of story. This parsing of, well... It's got to be like violent. What do you mean violent? So if you go into Macy's and you steal a pair of Bruno Maglia slippers, you shouldn't be deported for that. That's fine. Only if you go into Macy's and kill someone. So when Trump said zero tolerance for criminal aliens, drunk driving, gone, driving without a license, gone. End of story. End of story. You're already here illegally. If you're already doing something illegally, okay, if you're already doing something illegally, You're always doing something edgy. You shouldn't be pushing the envelope. You shouldn't be. So Trump says zero tolerance for criminal aliens. Four, block funding for sanctuary cities. Real simple. If you're a city that says we're not going to comply with ICE, If ICE says, hey, you need to turn that illegal over to us, and you say no, you're not going to get money. Real simple. Again, we live now in a country where the Obama administration is suing, going after states, they're going after cities, they're going after 
people because they're saying, hey, listen, a cross-dresser, just, you know, the bathroom, you know, you just can't. You can't throw on a wig and a dress and go into the girl's bathroom. You can't do it. You can't do it. And the Obama people are going, no, you got to. Not only do you have to let them, but you also have to have the, the, the bathrooms. You, you, you've got to do all of these things. So the Obama administration, the liberals, Democrats, they have no problem with getting involved in dudes with boobs and bathrooms. But as it pertains to illegals committing crime, And ICE saying, well, we need them. And that city saying, nah, nah, F you. Oh, okay, no problem. That, that is all right. Are you kidding me? I mean, seriously, what universe do we live in? What universe do we live in? Five, cancel unconstitutional executive orders and enforce all immigration laws. Trump said... DACA, the Dreamer Act, basically stuff that the Supreme Court's already blocked. Courts have already said, Obama, you can't do what you did. You you, you can't do what you did. Matter of fact, a judge in Texas is so pissed off right now that he's contemplating punishing the Obama administration, lawyers for the Obama administration, for basically lying to him as it pertains to work permits. Seriously. There's a judge in Texas that is furious. So Trump's saying, listen, I'm canceling all that stuff. These things have already been deemed unconstitutional. They're gone. Over. Six. We're going to suspend the issues, the uh, the the issues of uh, visas to any place where adequate screening cannot occur. And Trump talked about uh, tests. Basically, uh, value tests, I guess you could call it. But we already do screening now. This notion that we don't do screening, this notion that they don't have to fill out a questionnaire, is lunacy, because they do. Trump is just talking about enhancing that questionnaire. He's talking about enhancing the screening process. But we already have a vetting process. We already have a questionnaire. We already make people applying for a visa ask certain or or answer certain questions. And people say, well, yeah, but you could lie. Well, yeah, sure, you can lie. But if you lie on the application, it makes it that much easier to deport you. 
If you lie on the application, it makes it that much easier to deport you. Forget easier. You're deported. You're deported. You lie on an application and you go on Facebook and you post pictures of yourself. Hey, I got this. I got that. F you. You're gone. Point seven, ensure that other countries take their people back when we order them deported. Fact. There's countries that say we don't want them. That's a fact. And how is that wrong? If we've got somebody that we want to deport, we got some low-life garbage or whatever, whatever, whoever, Drunk driver, petty theft. But we're going to deport them, and we're going to deport them back to their home country, and their home country says, well, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're not taking them. Oh, really? You're not going to take them? Okay. How much money do we give you in aid? How much support do we give you just in general? If you don't take uh, this human waste, We're not going to give you A, B, and C. I mean, people act like we don't have leverage. It's like in one breath you hear Democrats and liberals talk about how silly Republicans are when we talk about our military being weaker today than it was 10 years ago. And they say, huh. These Republicans, these conservatives, what's wrong with them? We have the strongest military in the world. We're, the, we're the, the, the world power. Everybody wants to be like us. Everybody wants to be as we are. But yet when we say, all right, well, we're going to have to enforce certain things as it pertains to countries having to take their garbage back. Oh, well, you can't do that. Well, why not? Well, you just, you just can't do that. Why can't we? Aren't we the greatest country in the world? Aren't we have the strongest military? Don't we have all these things? Yeah. Well, then why can't we say to Guatemala or Ecuador or wherever, hey, you got to take this person back. Why? Because. That's why. You're going to get a wrath of crap from us. That's what. Of course we can. We just don't do it. All these things we could do. But the Obama administration won't do it. Democrats won't do it. And people like Rupert Murdoch and the Koch brothers don't want to do it because they make money from it. The biometric entry exit visa tracking system. Now, guys, that was proposed after 9-11. After 9-11. After a bunch of Saudis murdered over 3,000 people in the United States, we came up with a plan, policy, with a procedure, with a law, with a system, whatever you want to call it. 
a biometric entry exit visa tracking system. We talked about it yesterday. Talked about the whole Chris Christie, we could track FedEx packages. Why the hell can't we track people with visas? And we joked about how it wasn't the most eloquent of examples. And, of course, Chris Christie got a wrath of crap from everybody. Oh, we're going to start tracking people like packages. <laughs> he should have talked about the biometric entry exit visa program because basically that's what it is. People come in with a visa and we track them. Again, yes, I know when I mail a package to some hillbilly city or town or one road, one mailbox (laughs) county in Mississippi, I know when that package gets there, I know who signs for, I know every aspect of it. So, yeah, we can do it with people with visas, real simple. And after 9-11, we put in place the mechanism to do it. We just haven't done it. Imagine that. Imagine that. We don't do it. We don't do it. It's insane. It really, it's insane. It's insanity. Why don't we do it? Money. From the left and the right. More people from the left, but bigger money from the right, although you throw George Soros in there, kind of balances everything out. And Zuckerberg, you know, maybe in the past it was all about Koch brothers and the Ricketts family and Walmart, but now with the Zuckerbergs and the Tim Cooks, kind of balances the playing field out. Nine, E-Verify. Again, simple, very simple. And 10, reform legal immigration to serve the best interests of America and its workers. I mean, that was the 10-point plan, very detailed, very detailed. And don't give me, well, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? How... <sighs> A lot of this stuff has already been budgeted for. And if you're going to start to play that game, how, how are you going to pay for everything that the left proposes? How, how are you going to pay for every... If you're on the left, how do you propose to pay? Because the concept, and of course, because the media is controlled by liberals... The media is controlled by Democrats. Nobody ever rolls their eyes when Democrats go, we're going to tax the rich. They're going to pay their fair share. Really? How, how much money do you really think is going to... Listen, when you're proposing all of this extra spending that we can't pay for now anyways. So remember... We can't pay for shit now. Oh, I can't believe I swore. I didn't mean to, but we can't pay for stuff now, okay? Now, you tack on extra spending, and the whole concept is, well, we're going to pay for it by taxing the rich. It, it, It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. The numbers don't add up. 
You want to talk about Trump's numbers and Republicans' numbers not adding up? The left numbers don't add up. Now, if you say, we're not going to increase spending, we're not going to do X, Y, Z, we're going to tax the rich, and we're going to use that money to pay for the money that we already are in hock for. Okay. All right. If you're already not able to pay for what you're doing, and you're now going to add spending on top, and to pay for that is taxing the rich, well, everybody should be rolling their eyes just like they roll their eyes when you talk about tax cuts and how do you generate jobs? How do you stimulate the economy? Tax cuts. Business. So if you roll your eyes, that concept, if you roll your eyes at the concept of businesses paying lower taxes, which will create jobs, stimulate economy. If you roll your eyes at that, then you have to roll your eyes at the concept that making a bunch of rich people pay an extra 2% more will magically pay for every increase spending that liberals want to do and pay for old debt and stimulate the economy. No, it doesn't work. Absolutely does not work. It's common sense. It's common sense. And you can look at every liberal BS survey that says, no, 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 look at the numbers. Just like every BS liberal extreme left We'll try to give you this whole, well, you know, illegals contribute more to the economy and more than, no, common sense, it, it doesn't work. Common sense, just use some effing common sense once in a while. Just, just, just life in general, it just doesn't, things don't make sense. There's not enough trillionaires In the United States, okay, there's not enough trillionaires in the United States that you can tax. Because remember, ultimately, any tax proposal, you got to get through Congress. Ultimately, any tax proposal, you got to get through Congress. 2% tax increase, 3% tax increase on billionaires. It ain't going to do nothing. It ain't going to do nothing. Absolutely nothing. But because Democrats control the media, I mean, you want to talk about fascists, you want to talk about Hitler, the meaning of fascist, the meaning of Hitler, the meaning of a communist, the meaning of a dictator is the ruling power controlling the media. 
And I know you people on the left don't see that because you're on the left. That's how it works. But when the ruling power controls the media, when they control the message, that is how Hitler came to power. Republicans don't control the message. Talk radio, really? AM radio? You go under a bridge? Really? Nobody listens to radio in their houses anymore unless you're 90 years old. Breitbart? Really? Fox News? No. They're not conservative. And that's not controlling the message. What is used by over a billion people to get news, to reach out, messages, uh, communicate? Facebook. Can't get more liberal than Facebook. Twitter. Can't get more liberal and controlling by Democrats than Twitter. Google. Yahoo. CNN, NBC, ABC. I've said it before. I'll say it again. When you're sitting in an airport for five hours waiting to get a plane to go to whatever place you got to go to, and what you're watching is CNN, that's liberals controlling the media. That is the definition of a fascist. That is the definition of communism, a dictatorship. When you own Amazon and you are an extreme liberal, a leftist, and you control the Washington Post, you control communication, you control entertainment, When you control the messaging, that is fascism. That is Nazis. Nazism. Hitler. And of course, you're on the left. You agree with that message. You agree with that message. So you deny it is what it is. See, that's the difference between you and me. I understand that. I would love for Republicans to control the media. I would love it. Scream for it every day. We need to control the media. We need to control the media. We need to control the message. I will give up the House. I will give up the Senate. I'll give up. Give me the presidency in the media, I'm fine. I'm a happy clam. When you can control the message, you have the power. End of story. And of story. So 
So Trump's immigration plan last night was hard. There was no softening. And all my friends on the right who panicked and freaked and became part of the news cycle because they reacted before yesterday's events, let this be a lesson to you. Let this be a lesson to you. Do not react. Do not put yourself in a situation where you look like a moron, a buffoon, a a fake. Let this be a learning moment for the Limbaugh's. Let this be a learning moment for the Coulters. Let this be a learning moment. Let this be a learning moment. It's the Rob Zagari Show. All right, listen to me. We're out of here. We're done. Don't forget, you can listen to us on Spreaker. You listen to us at Blog Talk Radio. You go to the RobZakariShow.com. Go to ZeroFiltered.com. Those are all the ways that you can listen to us. We'll see you guys tomorrow for another fabulous and wonderful day. Until then, stay cool, be good, be safe, and don't take any wooden nickels. Later. Da-na-na-na-na.